Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Today, we're going to talk about diversifying your real estate portfolio and consider some emerging markets. Plus, we have an amazing guest today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. When the housing market crashed in 2008, San Antonio led the way in appreciation and cash flow. Would you like to have a strong, reliable investment that performs in both up and down markets? Cash flow is the key to successful investing and we have tons of positive cash flow properties for our ATW investors. Come see why the Milken Institute rated San Antonio the number one economy in the United States and why San Antonio is the only major city in the country to have a AAA bond rating. ATW Investments can teach you strategies for building strong, secure wealth with investments starting at $5,000. ATW's patented, proven, and powerful system will do all the hard work for you. ATW is where the perfect market meets the perfect strategy and produces the perfect results in your portfolio. To get started, go to the resource section of the Real Estate Guys website or email us at contact at atw-investments.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. With me, as usual, financial strategist, co-host Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. We have a chance today to talk about uh, diversifying our portfolios and not necessarily diversifying out of real estate, but maybe within real estate. And I think to start off, we need to cover this whole topic of diversification. Yeah, absolutely. You, you look at the world, which is what you have to look at these days. You know, we, a couple decades ago, started down this path of becoming a global economy. And we have become ever more interconnected. And not not just because of liftings of trade restrictions and different things like that, but technologically. I mean, yeah. the internet doesn't respect borders. And so information flows and money flows, uh, the ability to transact business because of the technology, just how fast you can execute different types of trades or do research on markets. And so the pace of change and the volume of change has really uh, accelerated over the last many years. And of course, along with that have come the emergence of uh, what used to be third world countries and this blending and the ebb and flow of money moving across borders as people are looking for opportunities, both in business and as investors. That's a critical point. As an investor in general, the reason you consider diversification is because you can't make all the bets correctly. You look at a sector, you look at an industry, you look at a company that you're going to invest in or a piece of real estate, and you have all the reasons you want to invest in it, the market drivers, the sustainability, all the things that make sense to you. But tomorrow, everything changes. And the day after that, it changes again, right? We make the best decision we can with the information we have at the time. But think about your own portfolio, whether that's a stock portfolio or a real estate portfolio. I bet there are things you look back on that you wish you hadn't invested in. Right. I know that's true for me. At the time, though, with the information I had at the time, that was the right decision for me. And we become better, hopefully, as investors and we grow as investors, but facts change. And so kind of the age-old thing in the stock market is to diversify. The flip side of that coin is diversification can often be a recipe for mediocrity. If I put too much diversity in my portfolio, I get bland nothingness. I might be safe. I might not have the huge swings to the downside, but I'm also not going to hit any home runs. I might not even hit any real base hits. So diversification is an interesting topic for that reason. There is the old adage of put all your eggs in one basket and then watch the basket. And the other side of that is 
hey, we better spread the love a little bit. Yeah, you know, Jason Hartman talked about that when we had him on the show, and he talked about this idea of diversification within an asset class. And he made the argument, and I think it's a good one, that real estate is universally or historically shown itself to be one of the most solid, if not the most solid, asset classes you can invest in. But as we often say, real estate really isn't an asset class because every single piece of property, every neighborhood, every market is local. It's unique. And so this concept of diversification and the idea of specialization are not mutually exclusive, I don't I, think. I agree. Because you can take a look at what you consider to be a large trend. Say, for example, the concept of central banks printing money worldwide devaluing their currencies. Like right now, we have a situation where the dollar is relatively strong because of the drive down in the currencies of the other countries, like the yuan and the rupee and all these other currencies that are out there being printed. You can say, okay, well, but the basic trend is currencies falling over the long haul. So within that basic trend, how do I diversify my portfolio? So as that trend plays out, I'm in a position to benefit from it, which is specializing, and yet I'm diversified because I don't exactly know how and where and when it's going to manifest. Such a good point. You know, the next few shows we have lined up are kind of really interesting because today we're going to talk about economic shifts. Next week, we're going to talk about a demographic shift. And the following week, we're going to talk about a geographic shift. So this is our Shift Happens series. series. Exactly. Okay. So the world is changing and shifting, and we have to adjust to that. Our guest today is an amazing man. He spends a lot of time researching, looking at markets. And although you might not consider him a real estate guy, and most people don't, not only is he an investor in real estate, but he really understands real estate. I think that anybody who is spending any amount of time looking at wealth, looking at demographics, looking at trends, and is looking for a way to play uh, it safely and protect themselves from the potential of disruptions in economic cycles, in changes in demographic uh, moods, in wondering where and how currencies and interest rates are going to affect everything. We say all the time in, in chaos, in uncertain times, cling to what's real. And when you really think about it, there's very few things out there that is more real than real estate. It's, there's very few things that are more basic and essential to human existence than real estate. Trends, technologies, those things come and go. You know, if you're investing in horse and buggy or you're investing in eight-track cassette tapes, I mean, you run the risk that technology is going to come along and change uh, your basic premise of investing. But when it comes to real estate, it's not that way. For as long as humans have been around and probably for as long as humans will be around, we're going to need to interact with real estate. Everything from growing our food to storing our produce to having places to live and work and play. It just goes on and on. So I think that you've got to take a look at real estate. And even if you're not primarily a real estate investor, it's such a powerful economic force you've got to pay attention to it. And so, of course, many of the people we talk to uh, do that. And we love to talk to these guys because they give us a perspective maybe that, you know, just a mainstream uh, nose to the grindstone Main Street real estate investor isn't going to have because they see a much, much bigger picture. Well-traveled, well-connected, very cerebral guys. I'm looking forward to getting my mind expanded one more time here on the Real Estate Guys radio show. Our guest today is Dr. Mark Faber. Mark has a PhD in economics and studies this stuff like crazy. He's known as Dr. Doom because he puts out the Gloom Boom Doom report, which you'll hear more about before we're done. But he's an amazing guy. I had a chance to catch up with Mark and talk about a lot of things, including real estate. You'll get to meet him when we come back. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. 
Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Hello, Real Estate Guys listeners. This is Ken Corsini with Georgia Residential Partners. I want to talk to you for a minute about a handful of properties that we are selling right now in Metro Atlanta for less than $30,000. That's right. These are houses that we bought and have already fixed and have placed tenants in these properties, and we are now selling them for less than $30,000. These are properties that are not in the hood. They are not bad areas, and we've got a very high demand for tenants in this location. And right now we are selling these things for less than $30,000. Most of these properties are getting between five and $600 in rent per month. So your ROI is through the roof. On top of that, if you have interest, we would own or finance you on these deals as well. Call me today, 770-924-5450 or email me at ken at gainvesting.com. Hi, I'm Mark Victor Hans. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. If you want to expand your consciousness, expand your wealth, expand your future, and have more delight and excite in your future than in your past, keep listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. We're in Cancun, Mexico, and it is our honor to uh, welcome Mark Faber to the program. How are you, sir? Fine, thank you, and thank you for having me on your program. Absolutely. We've been following your work for some time, and uh, my goodness, you've uh, certainly done an amazing job making some predictions, which after hearing you you speak yesterday, uh, you're quite a researcher. How did all that come about? Well, I started to work on Wall Street in 1970, and then I went to Hong Kong in 73 with an American investment bank, and then I opened the offices for Drexel Burnham Lambert in uh, 1978, and I stayed with them until uh, 1990. And then I started my own business, Mark Faber Limited, and focused on research, uh, notably my report, the Gloom, Boom and Doom report. Then 15 years ago, in year 2000, I had acquired some property in Chiang Mai, in the north of Thailand. So I moved to Chiang Mai because I was traveling a lot. I still have an office in Hong Kong, but basically... I focus on investments in Asia, emerging economies, and different asset classes such as stocks, bonds, commodities, real estate, 
and art. One of the great perspectives you share is very Thank much a, a global perspective. We have uh, listeners in over 180 countries, but primarily U.S., Canada, maybe Australia, number mm -hmm. three. You, you really talk about the way the world is interconnected. Yes, I mean, we are in a very complex society because if you buy, say, a computer in the U.S., then some parts will have been made in China and uh, it may have been assembled in uh, Malaysia or in Taiwan, South Korea, wherever. And so we have a lot of global trade and countries are interconnected through trade flows. Also, the opening of China meant that China became a big player around the world, in particular as a buyer of commodities. And at the same time, they have a very efficient production base and became huge exporters to the rest of the world, uh, notably to commodity producers. And so we have this world that is a shifting uh, the balance of economic uh, growth from the Western world and Japan to emerging economies, India, China, and other economies around the world. At the same time, we have, of course, rising geopolitical tensions. Absolutely. And as we today, no matter what you're investing in, you really need to understand the underpinnings of not only the global economy, but the monetary system. And, and you talked about a bit about that as well. Yes, correct. I mean, we live in an unusual situation in the sense that in the past, we had occasionally high inflation rates in the one or the other country that was brought about by money printing. And that led to rising inflation rates, uh, collapse in the currency, real wages going down. In the present situation, we have uh, globally money printing. Everybody has been printing money. It would be wrong to say that someone hasn't done it. Because to some extent, if the US printed money and somebody else like Switzerland wouldn't have done it, then the currency would have appreciated dramatically. And so indirectly, the Fed was able to force other regions of the world, notably Japan and the EU, to also print money. And it's not really a currency war. It's a coordinated effort by all central banks to essentially depreciate the purchasing power of money. And you are in real estate, you know very well that even if real estate prices in some places have declined over the last three years, they are still much, much higher in most countries than, say, 20, 25 years ago. Yes. And so we have not huge consumer price inflation, although consumer prices or the cost of living of people has gone up more than their wages. In other words, the majority of people, the typical household in the U.S., is uh, feeling poorer today than, say, 25 years ago. But real estate inflation has been there. We had a colossal inflation in art prices, collectibles, vintage cars, porcelains, and so forth and so on. And we had also, of course, a huge inflation in bond prices in the sense that, say, when I was young, I could invest in bonds at yields between 6 
1970, uh, in 1970, and then they went up to 15% in 1981. And then throughout their 80s, they were between, say, 8 and 10%. So the compounding effect was very strong. Now, in Europe, most bond markets, surprisingly, are yielding less than U.S. treasuries. France, 0.41%. Italy, Portugal, Spain, all lower yields than uh, the U.S. and Germany, Sweden, Switzerland, anyway. So it's a very distorted uh, world in terms of the money printing has led to uh, misallocation of capital. And in this environment, I know it will end badly. I just don't know exactly when and what will the sequence be to the bad ending. Uh, in this environment, I ob obviously also recommend investors to own some real estate. Well, let's talk about that because obviously our uh, listeners are real estate investors. We always focus on kind of the bigger picture as well. But uh, real estate also is not the same everywhere. Real estate is local. And so as we're looking at the value of our dollar, for instance, yes. right, there's this word of the dollar strong, but that's yes. only compared to other currencies. So as the value shift, where do you see opportunities in real estate? Well, I mean, first of all, as you pointed out, uh, not all real estate in the world moves in a synchronized way. And even in a small city or a large city, some areas may appreciate and some areas may be flat and some areas may be going down. So it's very much, a, it's a very fragmented market. Yeah. And some people say location, location, location. To some extent, that is true. In some cases, you can buy land in emerging economies and you can then carry out some improvement infrastructure. And then the land is worth much more. You, know, so you have no infrastructure. It's very difficult to use it. You put in the infrastructure, but you have to make some investments. So we have uh, fairly large investments in uh, Vietnam. We are on the coast uh, south of Da Nang. Da Nang was a large American base, and this beach south of Da Nang is China Beach. But there are all over the world similar opportunities. The key is basically to find a place where there will be a large flow of interest by tourists and weekend goers. So. Say you look at Macau, until 2003, it was a sleeping little city, economically totally irrelevant, except for essentially a casino monopoly that was held by Stanley Ho. And then they liberalized the licensing and other players came in like Steve Wynn and Adelson and so forth. And suddenly it became a huge boom town. I think in real estate, it's very important that you identify opportunities where money will flow and where also people will flow to. Lots of people have always said, oh, you have to invest in China, in Chinese stocks and so forth. And my view was uh, for quite some time, if you really want to play China without much risk, you buy Vancouver and Whistler properties. Right. You understand? Because that's where the Chinese came in. They bought everything and prices went ballistic. Now, I'm not saying that today Vancouver properties offer 
a high return. But in the past, it's been a fantastic investment. Well, this is another great example of the interconnectedness. <laughs> you follow yes. where the money goes. Yes. And uh, what you said about currencies is absolutely true. The US dollar has been strong recently. I mean, relative to the euro and the Japanese yen and so forth, other currencies haven't depreciated that much against the dollar. But that has also created now an opportunity in the sense that some real estate outside the US, because of the currency depreciation, has become reasonable again. Such a good point, right? We talk about in, in real estate, we make our money when we buy. And the other part about real estate is it's a hard asset. It's something tangible. And people that are concerned about any currency anywhere in the world, real estate can be a bit of a hedge against any change. Yes, I agree. And I wouldn't put all my money into real estate in one place because you look, say, at the Russian aristocracy, by 1918, when the revolution happened, it was all taken away from them. Right. Or you look at the Shanghainese that had all their money in properties in Shanghai. By 1949, they lost it all. So all I'm saying is, like in equities, you don't buy just one share, you buy different stocks and maybe in different geographical locations. In real estate, you also have to diversify and I wouldn't put all my money into one real estate market. Excellent. You talk a lot about emerging markets, and from a real estate perspective, people who are thinking, you know, that makes sense. I want to look at another place to buy some real estate for that diversity. What, what about the emerging markets when it comes to, to real estate? Yes, I like it very much, but there is one proviso, and this is in the UK, the property market is relatively vibrant and yeah. in London it's very high and expensive because the UK has very well established property rights and the courts of law are basically very independent. So whether you are a black from Africa or a Russian or a Chinese and you have any problem, the court of law will be impartial. If you own properties in Thailand, first of all, the property rights are not entirely clear. Secondly, you have to have a local partner. You right. cannot, as a foreigner, own properties. You can lease properties. Same in Vietnam. That is actually quite a good solution to lease it for 30 or 50 years. As an example, the property we own in Chiang Mai is in the name of my wife, but my office I leased from her at a dollar a year. Yep. Nevertheless, there is a leasing agreement, so she cannot kick me out right. <laughs> if she's in a bad mood. So th these things you can do, and I would say in many emerging economies, of course, the price appreciation can be very substantial, very substantial, especially if you bring in the infrastructure, if you develop the resort, or you develop the area. Now let's talk about the uh, gloom, boom, and doom report. You put that out every month and you've got yes. subscribers all over the world. Yes. Uh, what uh, what do you look at and, and what do you share with your uh, readers? Well, basically I have an historical approach and I look at longer term trends, but I also provide ideas how investors can invest their money and opportunities. And I look at different asset classes. So there are times when precious metals are attractive uh, there are times when equities are attractive. There are times when bonds are attractive and so forth. 
I just, uh, before I came down for this interview, was looking at the Barron's Money Poll, where they interview large fund managers uh, essentially around the US and what their expectations are. And already a year ago, all these fund managers were very bearish about treasury bonds. And last year, 30-year treasury bonds had a total return of 29%, which is much better than the stock market. Right. And six months ago, this survey of investors by Barron's had essentially the view that the US was the only game in town. Now they have changed their minds a little bit. They're still bullish about equities, but there are more fund managers that think that European equities offer a better value than US equities. And over the last six months, actually US stocks have done next to nothing. Some indices are down a bit and some are up. And yesterday when we made a new high on the S&P 500, there were only 97 new 12 months highs. This is a very low number. In a healthy market, you would see between 250 and say 400 new highs on a new high in the index. So what it means is very few stocks are driving up the market and the majority of stocks is either moving sideways or as we have experienced recently, a lot of stocks are actually breaking down. Now, I prefer personally real estate uh, to financial assets because if we look around the world, we are in a colossal financial asset bubble. Colossal. Debt and uh, stock market capitalizations as a percent of the economy are disproportionately large. And we have to assume that one day, this financial bubble will be deflated very badly. Now, when it's being deflated, it is likely that most assets will go down. It's like the opposite of a bull market. In a bull market, everything goes up, but some things go up more than others. Yep. In an asset deflationary scenario, everything goes down, but some assets go down less than others. So let's take the assumption that we would have a decline in asset prices. The most vulnerable ones, in my view, would be financial assets. Because financial assets are basically IOUs. Uh, you have, say, a bank deposit. You depend on the bank to repay you. So they owe you the money. You buy bonds, then the debitor, the corporation or the municipality or the sovereign state owes you the money. You depend on them paying you. Maybe they won't pay. And the stock market is at a relatively high level, except with very few exceptions around the world, like Russian stocks and so forth. But in general, it's high. Now, real estate, of course, will also go down when the whole thing, when there is a systemic crisis. But I think it will go down less than financial assets. That's my impression. The key is, of course, that you don't borrow 100% when you buy a property. Right. I own all my properties outright. I have no borrowings. So it doesn't disturb me if my property value goes down one day by 30%. It's also not the end of the world if my stock portfolio goes down by 30%. I may not like it, but we have to live with the fact that we live in a very volatile world. 
And this volatility and the swings in markets have been actually largely created by the monetary policies of central bankers. Our guest today is Dr. Mark Faber. More when we come back. Plus, we'll play real estate trivia next. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. And why U.S. real estate continues to drop, Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. Hi, this is Frank Holmes, Chief Investment Officer and CEO of U.S. Global Investors, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Heard every weekend on this great radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. We're talking about real estate diversification and emerging markets. We've got Dr. Mark Faber on the show. Before we get back to an interview with Mark, it's time to play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question. It has something to do with one of the places that Dr. Doom talked about. And if you know the answer to the question, what you want to do is quickly get an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com trivia at realestateguysradio.com the first person with the right answer is going to win a copy of The Social Capitalist great book by Josh and Lisa Lannon that could be yours if you know today's real estate trivia question last week on The Real Estate Guys we had Jason Harmon on the show and we asked this fortune cookies why often associated with Chinese food did not originate in China where did the first fortune cookie appear well the answer is different in its current form the answer is San Francisco there was a very different type of cookie found in Japan that did have a fortune in it, but it wasn't folded the way it is. It was a different shape, different color, all of that. The closest thing we have to today's fortune cookie originated in San Francisco around the turn of the century before last. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. Dr. Faber was talking about Vietnam. We want you to tell us the currency in Vietnam. Name the currency of the country of Vietnam. It's not a dollar, it's not a pound. What is it? If you think you know or you want to take a guess or you want to research it really quickly, send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name and your physical mailing address because if you're the winner, we're going to send you an actual copy of The Social Capitalist by Josh and Lisa Lannon, their great book on social entrepreneurship. That could be yours if you know today's real estate trivia question. What is the currency of Vietnam? That's today's real estate trivia question. Our guest is Mark Faber. Mark, we were talking about central bankers printing money, which is something you often mention. With the money supply around the world increasing and plenty of quantitative easing, it is hard to figure out where to put your money. Yeah, yeah. Just consider that, uh, say, over the last six months, the euro has uh, depreciated by 40% against the US dollar. Right. Now, this is the second largest currency in the world. This is a huge move. Equally, the yen, same, also down 
more than 40% over the last 12 to 18 months. These are huge moves. You know, lots of people, if they were not in US dollars, but in Euro now, they're basically 40% poorer in dollar terms. And then there is another issue with these big swings in currencies and asset prices. How do you value anything? So for the Japanese, say, if he values his portfolio in yen, he will get one result. But if he values his portfolio in US dollars, he gets a totally different result. Right. Or if you look at Japanese exports, then Abenomics, they can go and tell the world, it's working very well, our exports are up. Yes, in yen terms, but in dollar terms, they're down something like 10% year on year. And so with this money manipulation by central banks, it's very difficult actually to figure out how you should value your assets. Absolutely. And of course, we all I mean, feel- we sit here, we look at the sea. I think there's some value for comfort. You understand? If you have a nice house and a nice garden uh, and it's fully paid, you don't care so much about is the house now up in value or down in value. You care about having a nice house and allowing you a nice living environment. Such a good point. Of course, there's a lot of talk now about the impending crash when things happen, the dollar crisis, all of that, and investors are wondering, how do I react? What do I do? <laughs> yes. I'm listening to you, and, and it's pretty optimistic, right? We're all talking about the things we can do to prepare, and yet you have this moniker, Dr. Doom, right? <laughs> how did that come about? Well, as you know, markets move up and down, and uh, some markets become grossly overvalued over time, like, say, the Japanese stock market in 1989, which subsequently dropped by more than 70% and just bottomed out essentially two years ago. Or in 87, stock markets around the world became very overbought. I would say the 87 peak has some similarity to today's market because between 82 to 87, the market went up essentially in a straight line. There was a correction in 83, 84. A lot of stocks then fell out of bed because that was the beginning of the personal computer stocks. Yep. Commodore and Atari and so forth, they fell all out of bed, but the market continued to move up until 87. And then we had a 40% decline between August 87 and middle of October, and on October 19th, the market actually fell in one day, 21%. Right. That people forget. And now we had since 2009, admittedly 2009, March 6, S&P 666, the S&P became very depressed. But I have to say, a lot of economists, they were predicting S&P 400. I stepped up and said the market will go up. But since 2012, I've been warning that the market, if it's a healthy market, should experience a correction of 10, 20%. Hasn't happened since 2012. We haven't had uh, more than a 10% correction in stocks. So the market has become actually very stretched. And we could have at some stage, not just a correction, 
but actually a bear market that would take the indices down, say, 20 to 40 percent easily, easily. How do we prepare for that market? You prepare by diversification is important. You have to have some money in equities because they could still go up and some equities have actually corrected a lot. Say you look at gold shares, you look at some commodity related shares and so forth, shipping shares, they are all depressed. You look at emerging markets, some are still depressed, others were depressed until say nine months ago. And then China in the last six months has gone up by almost 100%. Russia this year has, of course, grossly outperformed the US. Yep. And India last year was up over 30% in dollar terms. So you understand, money printing doesn't flow equally everywhere. And so you have markets that boom and then crash. And then after the crash, they become depressed and offer an entry point. I would say Vietnamese stocks are quite reasonably priced at the present time. Aside from stocks, I own some bonds and I own some real estate and I own some precious metals. We talked a little bit about metal yesterday and, and of course, not really an investment necessarily, kind of a hedge. What's your feeling about uh, where the price of, of gold may be in the next few years? Well, I think it will be higher than it is now. And uh, my sense, it will be much higher than it is now. We had a huge bull market, which all these uh, luminaries, professors at the Federal Reserve and in the financial sector missed. That was the bull market from $255 in 1999 to a peak of $1,921 in September 2011 and since then we've been in a correction mode in precious metals and now you have a lot of voices that are very bearish you have also a lot of voices that are very bearish about oil I think that precious metals are in a base building formation and yesterday the gold price was weak but several gold shares were performing actually quite well or relatively well so I'm not that bearish. I will never sell my gold. I own my gold. It doesn't worry me so much about the price. My larger concern is that if one day gold really works out and goes to say $10,000 an ounce, and this is not my prediction, I'm just saying if it goes up very strongly, the central banks might be tempted to take it away again from people. Yep. Now, the US is the most likely country to do that, but they can then put pressure on the ECB to do it as well. And uh, they can accuse people that own gold of essentially being hoarders that are damaging the system and so forth, or drug dealers, or I mean, whatever it is. So this is a concern I have. So I would again, advise people to have a diversified portfolio, own some gold where you live and own some gold in other jurisdictions. And I prefer the physical form in a safe deposit box to paper gold. Yeah, interesting point. In fact, a lot of people are looking at how much gold and how much metals do you keep near you versus diversifying yeah, yeah, sure. to have it somewhere else. Sure, yes. Because if there is a crisis, 
it may be quite possible that people are not allowed to travel for a while. That is something to consider. All right, good stuff. Well, we sure appreciate your time today. The Boom, Gloom, and Doom report uh, is available at boomgloomdoom.com, and uh, they can find uh, a lot more about you there. So thanks so much for your time yes, today. My pleasure. Thank you. That's Mark Faber. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. More when we come back. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Memphis, Tennessee is a market that delivers in more ways than one. As home to FedEx, Memphis is one of the largest distribution hubs in the world. That means working class jobs. No wonder Memphis is one of the best cash flow real estate markets in America. And the guy in Memphis who can deliver great affordable cash flow turnkey properties is Terry Kerr at Mid-South Home Buyers. Contact Terry through the resource section at realestateguysradio.com. And be sure to order Terry's Tips for Turnkey Rental Property Investing. It's free. Just send your request to turnkey at realestateguysradio.com. That's turnkey at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Patrick Donahoe of Paradigm Life. Over the last few years, I've had the privilege of sharing the services of Paradigm Life with you loyal Real Estate Guys Radio listeners through our website, www.beerbank.com, and also on the annual Investor Summit at Sea. Subsequently, we have seen a variety of financial situations across the socioeconomic spectrum and how everyone, regardless of their situation, would improve their financial lives by following the system we specialize in. As a result of this experience, we have created an online e-learning system so anyone without obligation can learn about the infinite banking concept. This free e-learning program is found on our website, www.beerbank.com. So check it out today. The website again is www.beerbank.com. Hi, I'm G. Edward Griffin, author of The Creature from Jekyll Island, Second Look at the Federal Reserve, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. If you want to see a real estate market up close and personal, there's still time to get signed up for our trip to Dallas, Texas. It is right around the corner, though, so you can't delay. All the details on our website at realestateguysradio.com under events. We're talking today about diversifying your real estate portfolio, and certainly awesome to hear from Dr. Mark Faber. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, I just have so much fun traveling around, going to various conferences and hearing different speakers and getting a chance to meet all these people. And uh, that's why I'm always such an advocate of having people, you know, get out and travel and, and get a chance to hear these different perspectives. Here's a guy that has been living overseas in Asia for over 40 years. Right. And he's a guy that, as you heard, has a huge background in uh, economics and finance and managing money and he's very well connected very well respected you know I see him on TV quoted all the time people are always interested in hearing what he has to say yet uh, some people like to make fun of him the way they do Peter Schiff because these people have concerns about very fundamental structural things going on and yet they don't stand there going oh my gosh it's the end of the world and I'm gonna just hide out here and not do anything right but to your point Robert it, during the interview you know you're investing into it. You're leaning into the change and saying, in all of this chaos or in all of this uncertainty, 
there are things that I can focus in on that I can begin to move my money into that will put me in a position more likely than not to benefit. And if I structure it properly, it really doesn't matter what happens. He said, oh, if the price goes up, if the price goes down, really doesn't matter to me. And one of the things that he talked about that I, I really jumped out to me, he goes, how do you measure your financial results? Right. He says, if you're measuring it in dollars, you know, and the dollar's strong, you might think you're doing well. If you're measuring it in something else and the dollar in, in that currency is weak, you might think you're doing poorly. We talk about this all the time with respect to precious metals because gold is up really a lot in certain currencies and down in the dollar. Right. And you say, well, how can that be? It's the same commodity. That's true. But the unit of measure of how you're denominating the value. And so the point that we've been trying to make, and I think he did a great job um, drawing that out, is how do you go about measuring value? And, and I think our answer is units of real value. It's not how much dollars is my gold worth? How many ounces do I have? It's not how much is my real estate worth on my balance sheet? It's how many doors do I have? How many tenants do I have sending me 30% of their income every month to live in the property? It's not even so much the price of my shares of stock, right? A lot of people are like, oh, my stock is up, my stock is down because they're thinking buy low, sell high, buy low, sell high. Of course, most people don't have the, the emotional fortitude to do that. They get it backwards right. because they end up chasing the trend instead of getting in front of it, but that's a different discussion. You know, Peter Schiff talks all the time about the importance of investing in dividend-paying stocks. In other words, you're investing for the income. You're not investing for to speculate on the share price. I think that, that when you think about what real estate investing, true real estate investing really is, not flipping houses, not that you can't make money doing that, right? Well, that's a business. It's a business. It's a business. But if you're going to just deploy your capital to purchase a stream of income, will it hedge against inflation? Sure. Does more income equal more equity? Yes, absolutely. But but the focal point is you're investing for income, and then if the income is there, and even if you've used debt, if you've done it conservatively, you can stay in it through all of the ups and downs. And to Mark Faber's point, which I think was great, is that you know when you're looking at real estate over paper assets, you have the opportunity to ride things out much more smoothly and take advantage of geographic trends in an indirect way and not with so much of the volatility involved in what goes on in the paper asset markets. Now, I've had the great opportunity to hear this interview now three times, and I don't often say this. I'm going to urge you to listen to it again because I definitely picked up on things. Sometimes it's his Swiss accent, right? Yeah. I, just, I love to hear him say anything because of his great accent and his voice. But he talks slow and methodically. and For me, that can be hard to pay attention to. But as I listen through again, there's some real jewels here. So this is not a classic real estate guy. And we work hard to bring people to, on our show who are not just real estate people. Next week, we have a great guest who basically is a real estate guy. The week after that, we have a guest who is a non-real estate guy. Again, the whole idea is we're talking this week about the shift in economics, next week about the shift in demographics, and the following week about a shift in geography, if you will. So I think there's a great opportunity for us as real estate investors to get our mind around where these things may be changing. And then given that, how do we play? Yeah, I mean, he talked about the emerging markets, you know, the bricks and the money. And he goes, you know, the, the opportunity isn't to buy real estate there because they're not buying real estate there. They're right. using the money they make to buy real estate in 
geographies and jurisdictions that have good property rights because that's very important to them. You know, when you've lived in a country that's been basically totalitarian and the government can step in at any time and take away your private property, you start looking for places that respect private property. And in spite of some of the criticisms we've had over the direction of the United States, in terms of its real estate laws and the ownership of private property, it's among the best in the world. So these people are bringing their money to markets here in the States. They're bringing their money into other markets where they feel that they have the opportunity to protect their wealth. And so you can ask yourself, where are people investing who have the money? And of course, as the economic shift goes east, where are the Easterners investing their money? And then where are they spending their money? He talked about tourism. He talked about the impact. You know, it used to be everybody watched what America did and everybody would cater to Americans. Today, it's shifting a little bit and you want to use that in your real estate investing. How can you get in the front of that shift and participate in it to diversify your portfolio? Big thanks to Dr. Mark Faber for taking time out of his incredibly busy schedule to be with us. You can find out more about what he does at gloomboomdoom.com. Next week on The Real Estate Guys, we're going to be talking about a major demographic shift and how you can realize double-digit returns profiting by it. Until then, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the Resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.